Genesis chapter 30, verses 1 through 2 and 22 through 24. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Verse 22, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph saying, may the Lord add to me another son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kinds, you have chosen a, a juicy passage for us today. <laughs> um, in between verse 1 and 2 and 22 through 24, for those of you looking to dig a little deeper, um, this is a, a fascinatingly weird and disturbing uh, passage where two sisters are basically popping babies off or trying to, uh, you know, to win the affection of the husband. Yeah. Uh, it, it's weird. It's sad. Mm-hmm. It's messy. Mm-hmm. And yet God is doing something through it. Yeah. Let's start with the big picture and then we Please. can talk a little bit about some of the details. So the big picture and the reason why I think it's worth reflecting on this passage during the Advent season is that picture that introduced in Genesis 3.15 that the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. So the mm-hmm. hope that comes through this offspring, which is in some sense pointed to by every birth of any child, mm-hmm. is a picture of God's work. And I think this text reflects that because Rachel wants a child so badly and Jacob's response is, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So there is this reminder that any life is a gift of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, And it's not something that we can ultimately control. Uh, and uh, then at the end of the passage, we do get God remembering Rachel and opening her womb so that she can have a child. <clears throat> so that's the big picture that ties us into the Advent theme because it's continuing God's work to um, this stream of offspring that culminates in the Son of God being born as a human being and the miraculous nature of that. We're getting hints of this here. Mm-hmm. Now, in the middle, we do have this, I mean, it's kind of disturbing passage, but I think it's intended to be disturbing yep. because in the Old Testament, we never have an explicit condemnation of polygamy. There's no place where it says this is wrong and you should never do it. Mm-hmm. But over and over again, we get this implicit message that polygamy is not going to lead to blessing and flourishing. Instead, mm-hmm. it's going to lead to the kind of thing that we see in this passage, which is um resentment and competition and this feeling of being less than that Rachel struggles with as she compares herself to her sister wife uh, in this scene. Right? Yeah. And yet God works through it. Mm-hmm. God works through what I think we can, based on these implications across the Old, Old Testament, I think we conclude can conclude that this is sinful this is not what god intends for humanity yeah and yet god is able to work through human sin to Mm -hmm. bring about his good purposes i mean the ultimate example of this in genesis is the way that god works through joseph's brothers 
selling him into slavery mm-hmm. in order to save his people. Because once Joseph is in Egypt, because he's sold into slavery, he is able to, through God's powerful work in his life, to save the lives of many by coming up with a solution to the famine in the mm. land. So that's that's the ultimate example of that in Genesis. But this would be another example mm. uh, where God is working through this rivalry between two sister wives. Um, we get to see the 12 tribes of Israel produced yeah. through this. You know, one of the words I've been using a lot in, as we've been walking through Genesis and tracing the thread is irony. Mm. And uh, there, there's just so much irony in the redemptive story and, and uh, the bloodline of Christ. And you know, one of the things that happens between yesterday's reading and today is so, you know, Jacob, he, he cheats his way into getting the birthright and the blessing, and then he hits the road and, you know, he, he meets this man, Laban, and, you know, basically the tables turn Mm. and the cheater gets cheated. (laughs) So, uh, Jacob tries to, uh, you know, he wants, Rachel as his wife. So um, he works for Laban for seven years and then he gets uh, bait and switched on the wedding day and gets Leah. He still wants Rachel. And and so anyways, that is, you know, the backdrop. And so uh, Laban basically did some really screwed up dad stuff to uh, create this situation. And you know, I think the the point of like pointing out irony through these stories is not just to like have something to say or mm. to be like, oh, neat. But it's really important to see that the the whole narrative of, of scripture, the the gospel of Jesus, is so unexpected. Mm. And you know, because we are surrounded with it culturally, and, and um, you know, many of us were raised on it. It's easy to view these things as very quaint and like well put together. And uh, Jason was talking about this in his uh, sermon on Christ as priest. But especially with Advent, we tend to have this very whitewashed, like, oh, Mm -hmm. silent night, all is calm, all is bright. You know, Jesus is sitting there glowing. And the reality of the situation is everything is a mess. Like when Christ is born, it, it is a stark, sad, hopeless scene. And, you know, I think this passage in Genesis 30, this it, it's hard to read. Mm-hmm. The, like what these, you know, Rachel's um, insecurity and sadness and competitiveness and Jacob's anger, it, it's tough to read. And it's good. Mm-hmm. It, and it, it should be because... This is where God brings redemption is, you know, the redemption of God does not reach the people and places and times uh, that we would author, that we would expect and, and oftentimes hope. But he He works in, in unexpected ways through unexpected people, through unexpected means. And that is what makes makes his redemption so great and so much greater than any that we would concoct. Yeah, and to that point, to think practically today, uh, we can fall into tendency of thinking, oh, I can't be used by God because my life is not perfect. Mm. Or I can't be a member of this church because it's not perfect. We're looking for the perfect yeah. church. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and yet, 
God works through our own sin and the sinful communities that we are a part of mm-hmm. in redemptive ways. Yeah. And he's chosen to work in that way. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it doesn't make sense to us. Like, why doesn't he do it? Yeah. Not using fallen and broken people like we are, but that's it. it's been his choice throughout history. We see it working like this in Genesis 30, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that entering into the messiness of this world is the way he does his redemptive mm-hmm. work. And there's a blessing in that, in that yeah. We get to be a part of it. And if he was expecting perfect people, then who would be able to oh, be a, a, a part of his redemptive work if, if you had to be perfect first? Yeah. And it's it's always authored in such a way that only God mm-hmm. could receive and, yeah. and be due the glory. And, and, you know, to put this on like a practical everyday scale, you know, I, I'm sure most of us have thought this, but... Um, I have, you know, thought at times like, man, wouldn't it be great if like, why, why won't God just save like the greatest? Like, I feel like all the like, or so many of the songwriters and like authors and public speakers who I think would just be like amazing for the kingdom of God are just Mm -hmm. like totally lost, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, like, why doesn't God save Taylor Swift? And then he would have like amazing (laughs) Taylor Swift worship music. Personally, I'm very happy to not have Taylor Swift worship music, but (laughs) sure. Some people would love that. Um, but, you know, I think that we even see this playing out in today that, you know, I, I've i just been like thumping First Corinthians 1. God chooses what's foolish in the world to shame mm-hmm. the wise. And, and he always upends our discernment, our wisdom, our how we would do things um, so that his power, his saving hand can be displayed despite our lack of, you know, wit and strength. Yeah. So... This doesn't mean that we don't seek to be obedient in our lives. Oh, yeah, yeah. But as we fail, we have a God who is merciful and gracious mm-hmm. and who condescends to work through our failure mm-hmm. and brokenness and who has entered into the mess of this life mm-hmm. uh, as a human being, right? Yeah. As, you know, as a baby who filled his diaper, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is, well, I don't know if I had diapers back then, but yeah, I was just, cloth, I, yeah. right. I was just <laughs> actually reading about a sermon where, well, they had like a, a nativity, a living nativity scene and the baby that yeah. was representing Jesus did exactly that, like yeah. total blowout. It's amazing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, that's what the reality of what yeah. Jesus actually was a human being. And that, that meant entering into this broken world, but without sin. Yeah. Uh, so um, a, a valuable reminder for us as we continue through the Advent season. Yeah. And yep. a great reminder that maybe Christ's covenant should have a live action nativity. <laughs> They're always fun. Always yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow uh, as we move forward. But for Will Kynes, this is Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.